Let's talk about the Super Bowl for a minute, okay? <laughs> if you don't know me, I'm just a huge Bronco fan, and I had the privilege of going to the game with a friend, and, and um, well, you know the rest, right? But, but I want to take you back to that February week, that week in February, um, first week of February. It, and if you happen to be able to go to Super, uh, Super Bowl Boulevard, which was on Broadway, I think somewhere, it started right around Penn Station, around 34th Street up to Times Square. And it was just, it had that hole blocked off. And, and, and many of you remember having to probably walk through it to your, to your uh, offices and so forth. And it was just insane with people. I went on a, I went on a uh, Thursday afternoon, or Friday afternoon, and it, it, was, it was still insane, but nothing like it would be Friday night, all day Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, uh, if, when I saw on TV. It was just, you know, just hordes of people. Just remind me, it looked very much like Times Square on, on New Year's Eve. But it was just crazy, crazy amount of people, and um, more so than normal for New York. Now, I want you to think about that, and I want you to pull that back a few hundred, a couple thousand years, and that's pretty much what we had going on in that first, what we call Palm Sunday uh, in Jerusalem. It's, it, we traditionally call it Palm Sunday. That, that it's, it's when Jesus did the triumphal entry into, into Jerusalem, which is what we're going to look at this morning. It was about that insane. Tons of people, they were there for Passover. It's Passover week. And, you know, obviously, Passover is a huge deal in the, in the Jewish religion, even more so then than it is, I mean, the, even more so there and then than it would be today. I mean, here's still a big deal. You've got a whole aisle blocked off at King's for Passover food and so forth. But um, then it was just even more insane. It'd be very much like, like almost like Times Square on New Year's Eve or certainly like the Super, Super Bowl Boulevard was. Uh, back in February, just a lot of people. That's the kind of energy and, 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 and insanity in terms of people that, that Jesus is walking into in Jerusalem where we're about ready to take you in this passage of Scripture on what we call that Palm Sunday, the beginning of what we Christians call Holy Week or, or the Passion Week. Um, and um, so that's what's going on. Tremendous amount of excitement, a lot of people. And then all of a sudden, here we have Jesus Watch this. This is uh, all four Gospels, by the way, talk about what we call Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry. And I'm going to take it from uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, and we're going to start in verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, and as he approached Bethpage at Bethany, and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. This is at the top of the hill, and, and, and the hill from this point downward um, into, into the sea, it's just a real steep climb. Um, it's a steep hill. I've been there a couple of times. I was there about a year and a half ago. As a matter of fact, uh, a guy was there, and he had the, the same mule that, that Jesus had, he says, the same donkey that Jesus had. And he said that for $25, I could, buy, I could write it down. Um, and there were people who were doing that. I didn't do that. And the, 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 the donkey did look a lot like it might have been from the time of Christ. It was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty horrific looking. But anyway, um, many ways there they, they uh, devised to get us crazy Christians' money, you know, our money. Um, so he's down this hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Not insignificant, by the way. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Interesting, isn't it? Verse 32 those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And they were untying the colt. Its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? 
And as they, they replied, the Lord needs it. He's right, right there again. Um, the Lord needs it. Now, this is just as Jesus said it would happen. Let me tell you what's going on here. Why a, why a donkey? What, what's the deal? A little over 400 years before this moment in time, uh, there was a guy named Zechariah, a prophet in the Old Testament, and he wrote, a, it's a, it's, we call it a minor prophet, it's a minor, it's a small, it's a small uh, uh, book in the Old Testament, Zechariah. And in Zechariah chapter 9, it says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So over 400 years before Jesus, this is being prophesied that the Messiah will ride into Jerusalem, the king will ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, why a donkey? Um, Why not a horse? In the Near East, if if a king came in peace, he would ride a donkey instead of a war stallion. So, I mean, you can see that. If he comes in on a stallion, you know, with all the armor and everything else going on, obviously, he's there, he's there for a battle. He's there to fight. But that's not, if, if, if the king came in peace, he would just come in. And that's what Jesus is, the prince of peace. And he's coming on a donkey, signifying, I'm the king and I'm coming in peace. Keep reading here. Go back to verse 35. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put, it, and put Jesus on it. And he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. That was significant in the sense that it was just a great honor, honoring the king. And it's sort of like we would call that a red carpet treatment today if we had something like that going on. Um, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. So a whole a bunch of the disciples are there. There are other people as well, but there are people who are followers of Christ. Many of them had seen miracles. Many of them had probably seen a miracle just a few days before this uh, uh, when Lazarus was raised from the dead by the Lord. And so um, that's what's going on here. And then, but look what they're saying. Look what they're, what they're chanting. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That's significant because, again, that comes from a psalm in the Old Testament. It's a, psalm, it's a psalm that prophesies again about the coming of the Messiah. So they know that, and, they're, and they're, they're, they're chanting that. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. But look what else. Verse 39, look what happens here. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They, they didn't want him doing this. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Why? Because he's the king. He's the Messiah. He's God. Now, you've got to understand what's going on here. And I want to give you a little background so you can do that because these people are all fired up. They've got palms. Palms are, are symbolic of, of a victory. And it's, it, it'd be, you know, that's what you would do when the conquering king would come in or your, your, your country wins a battle or something. Yeah, it would be very similar to our ticker tape parades. Uh, you know, if, if, you, if you recall reading in history and uh, World War II, at the end of World War II, there was a big ticker tape parade and have some famous pa- uh, pictures of that. Now, obviously, with sports victories, we have ticker tape parades as well. Um, and, and so you got this whole thing going. And again, it's like the Super Bowl crowd. Of course, you're pr- some of you are probably thinking, ah, you can't compare, you know, this religious holiday to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, well, there are, arguably there are people who consider Super Bowl Sunday a, a religious experience. I don't know. But... Uh, 
there's a, there's a comparison mainly in just in terms of the fervor and, and of the numbers of people. Because keep in mind, yes, there are disciples there, but there are also people there who are just pretenders, and then there are people there who just get caught up in the moment. I mean, it, it's exactly like the Super Bowl. I go, I go to the Super Bowl, and um, the guys behind me, are, they're, they're 49ers fans. I got the 49ers gear on. And then some, some jack wagon down there has on his, his, his Eagles jerseys, a bunch of Eagles. Are you kidding me? You got the Philly fans, they're everywhere. Man, uh, you know, uh, and you want to say, hey, you don't belong here. This is, for the, this is for the Seahawks and for the Broncos. Everybody else can leave. But no, that's not what happens. You have everybody. Same thing's happening here. There are people here, some, some were disciples of Jesus. Some were just pretenders. Some were, oh, well, okay, that's great. Just get caught up in the moment. It's exactly what's happening here at, at, at this um, triumphal entry. Here is the disconnect. These people, even the disciples think that the Messiah is going to come and free them from the, opposition, from the Roman opposition, from the Roman, uh, Roman occupation, the Roman army, the Roman people, they're in slavery basically to Rome. They think the Messiah is going to come in, he's going to set up his kingdom, and he's going to free them from all of this Roman oppression. They missed the point. They didn't understand that when Jesus talked about the kingdom or the kingdom of God, He was talking about something far greater than conquering Rome. He was talking about conquering death, conquering sin, guilt, and shame. That's what he was talking about. They were thinking of a literal kingdom. He was talking about something much greater in terms of the kingdom of of, of God in our heart. Um, And by the way, this was the first time publicly that Jesus proclaimed, I am the Messiah. I'm here. First time that happened, right here. And of course, this is the beginning of what we call our Holy Week. Um, and in four short days, five short days, he'd be crucified. When we truly understand who Jesus is, and this is the important part here, my best choice is to worship him. Don't have to. I can join the other people who, who, who crucified him on Friday, but my best choice is to worship him. Pascal put it like this, Jesus Christ is God whom we approach without pride and before whom we humble ourselves without despair. Even at that, Jesus is so much more than what these people realized, and even sometimes even more than what we realize today. And I want to I take a few minutes and try to, you know, my challenge is to try to get you to maybe understand a little more about who Jesus is and what that means to you. And I, I'm just got, I just picked out some, some, of the, some of the qualities of Jesus and some of the characteristics of who he is and, and talk about him for a few minutes and then make some application to that as well. Um, so there's a few of these. He's a provider, first of all. Provider. What do I mean by that? I mean, he, I don't know where your paycheck comes from or your trust fund or whatever it is, where it comes from, but at the bottom of that paper somewhere, Jesus made that happen. He provided. He's your, he's your provider. I don't care what you do. I had kind of a hard time learning this, and I still have to revisit it. Um, I, had, I was working in, 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 in Vail, Colorado. We were starting the church, Vail Bible Church, in the early, the first few years. And they didn't have, obviously, as a small church, we was getting started, we started with five people, basically. Um, and obviously, the church doesn't have a base in terms of financial base, so they don't have enough money to pay, my, pay me to live. So I had to do what I, whatever I could, and I went back to what I had done before, which was my profession, which is broadcasting, a broadcaster. And there were a couple of stations there, and new ones coming in and so forth. And I went through a period of time 
um, through no fault of my own. I had good ratings and everything, but um, three years in a row, right around Labor Day, which is kind of kind of ironic, right around Labor Day. It, it, uh, this was during a time when when radio was changing a lot, and some of the your satellite was just just beginning to start. You know, I, mean, I was there. Ah, satellite, that's never going to work. That's garbage. Anyway, I didn't want it to work, but, it, but what happens is these, these, big, these big companies, Westwood One, some of these people would come in, they'd buy a lot of these little stations in places, they just fire the whole staff because they're going to run it from L.A. or from, from New York usually or maybe somewhere else, but they'd just do that, and they started doing that. We only had like four stations, so I went from one station to another. Three years in a row that happened, right around Labor Day. To this day, right around Labor Day, I'm kind of like looking around, like what's going to happen this Labor Day? But so I would come in, a big, big acquisition would come in, and we'd be gone. I finally, through prayer and just thinking and talking, and, and, and I finally figured out, you know what? Wherever your paycheck comes from, it's coming from Jesus. He's your provider, not WLAQ or, or KRVV or, or, or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, it's, it's, it's Jesus. And when we understand that, because, I mean, some of you may think, well, yeah, but I understand that with that business, Rich, but, you know, I, I'm... I'm in a pretty good bank. I'm in pretty good shape. Good hedge fund. You know, look at history. I don't need to remind you what history has done over the years. You're trusting Christ. Your trust is in Christ, not, not that bank, not that whatever it is. Jesus is our provider. Jesus is, is, is fully God. And I'm going to give another one, fully man. He's fully, I'd like to keep those together, but I'm going to separate. But he's fully God. He's fully man. 100% God, 100% man. You've heard me say that more than once. Um, and I love that because I know when I pray to him, he's 100% God. I also know that when I, when I pray to him, because he's 100% man, the Bible tells us he's experienced the same temptations that we have, yet he never caved in. That's really, I mean, and, and you know, in, in, in beginning this, this Holy Week, today, Palm Sunday, later on in, in the week, um, Thursday, actually, um, Jesus, it, 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 uh, in, in, in that first week or that last week of his life, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. I don't know if you remember the story or not. One of the gospel accounts talked about how he, he, was, re- he, didn't, he was thinking about, I don't want to go through this. He knows he's going to be tortured and put to a gruesome, gruesome death on a cross. And his prayer is, Lord, help God help this cup to pass. The cup is the temptation to pass. And one gospel writer says that he actually sweat drops of blood in his angst. Now, can I tell you something? I've had temptations over the years with different things. I've never sweat drops of blood in my fight against temptation. I cave in long before that, you know. But it gives you some understanding of who Jesus is and that he can, when you go to him and say, I've got some temptation going on here, it's really, really strong. He can, he can say to you, I understand. I've been there. I didn't cave in, but I understand. That's great when you start thinking about who Jesus is in your life. He's fully God, but he's also fully man. He's our creator. He created all creation from the very beginning. I don't know exactly how he did that. He did it, though. I don't, whatever your view of creation, Jesus did it. He was there. The Bible tells us he was there in the beginning, however, however that happened. Cool thing about that is the creator of life, the creator of you, desires to have a relationship with you. Who better than your creator 
to have a relationship with. He's our comforter. You ever been in one of those situations where, you know, nobody, you just, nobody really understands. You couldn't get comfort from anybody. Your normal best friend or your husband or your wife or other best friends, whatever your circle of influences are, um, nobody was there for you. You just could not find comfort. Nobody could really understand what you were going through. And I'll tell you, uh, I've, I've mentioned this before. I know that, so I'm not, I'm not telling a story over again that I've forgotten that I had told. But I remember a few years ago going through some, some things just going through here in the church and, and, and some things happening here. And I was just going through a, kind of a tough time as well, trying to figure out where I was in the whole thing. And I remember vividly on a January day, uh, January, okay? Keep that in mind. And I, I just drove to my golf club and just got out of my car and just, just started walking and talking. Ironically, I don't tell anybody this, I had a cigar with me. That, that's not part, you don't have to do that, but it's ironic, isn't it? Sometimes that you can have, do things like that and still pray. I did. Um, obviously, I don't think it's a sin or I wouldn't be doing it. But um, I just took my cigar walk. And um, I, I, it must have been, gosh, I think a couple hours, I just, just walked and talked to Jesus. I didn't get any answers. I didn't get any voices out of the sky saying, it's going to be okay, or this is going to happen. All I, all I received was comfort from God, from Jesus, just comfort. I got you, I got you Rich. I got your back. Changed, just changed my whole attitude. And uh, I still have to do that. And, you know, great, wherever you find a good place to go pray, some people like to do that in church. We'll always try to make that available for you if, you, if, that, if that helps. But some of us just like to kind of go outside and walk and get alone and be by yourself and, and just talk, talk to the Lord. Talk to Jesus because he's our comforter. I, yeah, I think that old, that old spiritual song says it best. Now, those, those folks didn't have the opportunity to get an education, but they sure understood God. That old spiritual, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen except Jesus. Except Jesus. That's good theology, people. <laughs> that's good truth, and that's true. So he's our comforter, creator, fully man, fully God, provider. He's, he, he's, he's Lord. He's Lord. He, and, and, and you know what? He, he invites you to allow him to be Lord in your life. Somebody asked a, somebody ask a, a kid was talking to this, this adult in you know, what, is it, what does it mean to make Jesus Lord of your life? And this guy tried to explain, and then the kid finally came back and said, oh, you just mean he's my boss. The guy says, that's exactly what I mean. Sometimes kids say it the best, that, he, he, that he's, he's my boss. And I listen to him. I do what he says. He's Lord in my life. Isn't that an amazing thing? He's Lord of the universe and doesn't force it on us, invites us to allow him to be Lord in, 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 our, in our lives. And, you know, and we do that for a while, and then we kind of go off on our own and think, you know, oh, I'm, I'm okay now, I can do it, and then we just mess it up again and, uh, and, and, and don't. I mean, we, that's, that's the important issue. Jesus is the Lord, and he desires to be the Lord of your life. Last thing, he's, I, I love this, but he's our advocate. He's our advocate. I, I don't know if you know what that means or not, but he, he, um, he intercedes for us. Let me just kind of give you a little quick little glimpse into the, what we know. I don't know a lot, but I know what the Bible teaches about the, about the relationship between God the Father, God the, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. The Bible says, says that Jesus is 
at the right hand of the throne of God. And he, he's there as our advocate. And, and here's what's going on there. This, this is what I, my understanding, I really believe this. I believe that Jesus is there and, and he's talking to God the Father and he says, there's Rich, there's Rich. He's, he's one of ours, by that, a, a follower of Christ. Let's, he needs our help. Let's give him this... Talk, let's give him the strength that he needs, or let's give him the whatever it is he needs. That, he's doing it for each one of us. He's our advocate in, 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 at the right hand of the throne of God. That's, that's Jesus. That's who Jesus is. I love that. That's just so, so amazing. It's like, really? Uh, that's why I could have gotten really excited about this. I don't know if I would have understood that. They didn't quite understand all that at that point in time, all the, even the disciples, uh, very much at least, and, and the followers of Christ. That's who he is. And when I truly understand who Jesus is, then by far my best choice is, is to worship him, just to worship him. We need to talk about that just for a minute. Worship him, what is, how, does that, how does that work? When, 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 you know, how does that, you know, how's that, how's that in real time, worshiping, worshiping Jesus? How does that work in real time? And, and uh, I'll give you a few, uh, just a few illustrations here. It, it, it just changes our perspective, basically. But in doing so... It means that when, when something good happens, that my default mode kicks in, and this should be, should, should be my default mode, I just stop and I just thank Him. Oh, that deal came together, man, that was great. Everything just, oh, I'm, I'm good, baby, I'm good. Uh, no. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you gave me the skills to make it happen. Maybe I got lucky, whatever. In the end of the day, it came from you. Thank you. It means when something Something, see something beautiful, sunrise, sunset, the plains, the mountains, you know, beautiful parts of Jersey. And there are those places if you're not from here, believe me. Um, you, you stop and you thank the Lord. You say, Lord, thanks for beauty and thanks for creating beauty because you recognize it came from Him. It means when something bad happens, you trust, you look again to Jesus to bring, to make something good come out of that. It doesn't mean that, that He wanted the bad thing to happen to you. He doesn't. And, and he, people, people do things to each other all the time that does not please Jesus, but He's there, again, as our advocate, to, to bring something good out of that. He promises it may take a while, it may take a long time, but He promises He'll bring something good out of whatever that is that happens. It means when I have total chaos, that He can bring me peace. I, I may not have the clarity that I, that I really want to have, but He gives us peace. And sometimes the clarity will eventually come, oftentimes maybe not as quick as we would like it, but that's part of the process. It means that if I ever have disappointment, I can trust in, in, in the one person who will never disappoint me, Jesus. And if you don't know this, I should, I should tell you, every one of us will, have, will, 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 will be disappointed in somebody and in, in everyone at some point in your life. People that you love, your husband, your wife, your mother, your father, who you just think would never, at some level, they're, they're, they're probably going to disappoint you. Some pastor, whatever. But that's when we go back and recognize there is one who will never disappoint, and that is Jesus. It means when I have uncertainty, I look to the one who holds the future. This is a, this is a constant prayer for me. How many times we, something happens to us, and we're like, oh, man, I didn't see that one coming. That was a curveball out of nowhere. You know, the truth is we don't really ever know what's coming next. We just think we do. 
And then something happens to remind us, oh, I really didn't know what was going to come next, around the next corner. Here's the deal. Jesus knows what's around every corner. And it doesn't help to pray, to ask, because he doesn't usually tell us, okay? And that's, I've prayed that prayer many times too. But I'll tell you what I do pray now, and, and, and I've seen what, what, what Christ has done in my life, and that is he prepares me. If I ask him, he prepares me for what's around the next corner. So our prayer becomes then, I, 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 life is uncertain, but I want to look to the one who holds the future to prepare me for that, that time. And this last one, this last one's kind of hard, especially, especially if you live here in Jersey. Um, it means that every time you see a person, you see that person with the Imago Deo, what we call the Imago Deo, the, Im, the image of God, made in the image of God. Even that, even that lady behind me just laid on her horn the other day and just really, I mean, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't, and I just, my top was down, so I couldn't say anything. I was afraid to wave because I thought my fingers might get disfigured somehow, some certain way, I didn't know. Um, and I just, and I, I, this was on my mind. I'm just, you know, it, it was very, I mean, this happens a lot around, you know, some woman in some huge car that she doesn't even know how to drive, and, 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 and just laying on that horn, you know, and I'm just like, you know, what do you want me to do? I had, I, I, because this was fresh on my mind, <laughs> I would like to tell you it would be every time, but it's not. But if we, we, need it, we, try, we need to try to make it every time, I had to stop and say, you know what? She's made in the image of God, just like everyone. And he highly values her as a person. I'm sure he, that wonderful person that she may or may not be. See, every person that way, every person. They are created in the image of God, and they're highly valued by the Lord God. Don't forget that. You see, when we understand the greatness of our Lord, it changes our perspective. And when we understand this, we, have no, we, we just have no better choice but to worship Him. When we understand who Jesus is and, and the eternal destiny that He has secured for us, when we understand that, it makes us a very grateful people, a very thankful people. It also makes us grow deeper and deeper in our love for Him. I got an, I got an assignment for you, all right? Homework, all right? Good, a good, good thing to start here on, on Palm Sunday as well. There's, there's an app called the YouVersion, YouVersion Bible. We've talked about it before. And if you don't have one yet, download that on your, on your smartphone or your notebook and, and, and go, they have, go to that, it's, it's, it's a version Bible, and yeah, there it is right there, and uh, download that, and then go to the plans, it says, it's got a whole bunch of stuff, go to plans, under plan, hit plans, and then just, just put in the name Jesus, and a whole bunch of different plans come up, all right, and um, what, there's, there's several, but I'm going to give you one that I want you to look into, all right, um, it, it's, uh, it's called the Essential Jesus I made a mistake. I'm looking at it now because I did. Last night I made a mistake. I said it's only like it's only like um, uh, 20, 20 days, twenty twenty days reading, you know, a little reading for twenty days, and then I, I guarantee about four or five people, a Saturday night crowd, you know, they come in here half liquored up. I don't, they don't know what's going on half the time. Anyway, they they came they came down to me. And they're like, "Are you kidding me? That's not twenty days. That's a hundred days. Are you kidding?" I said, "I said okay, so it's a hundred days. Come on, what's your deal?" It's really good. And you know, take 200 days. I don't care. 
It's like 12 verses. It'll take you less than five minutes, all right? I hope you'll take more than that and just, just read it and just ponder it and just meditate on it a little bit. But it's called The Essential Jesus. It's a good thing to start on Palm Sunday. It'll go on past Easter, of course, but uh, it's a good thing to start and give you a much deeper and better appreciation for Jesus and who He is. Because when we truly understand who Jesus is, our best choice is to worship Him. Let's pray together and just thank the Lord for our time. God, thank You so much for the ability to come together and, and be able to talk about who You are. I pray, God, You would deepen our understanding of just the greatness of You, our Lord, and that it would affect how we live and the perspective we have in life. I thank You for that. We commit this time to You. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, next week, I hope you can make it, um, it and maybe bring somebody with you um, because it's, it, we've been working hard. It's going to be really good. To, I mean, we try to be good every, every, every weekend, but we're gonna, it's going to be really easy. We're going to really explore what it means that Jesus is the bridge over the troubled waters of sin and, and guilt and shame and uh, just an important message of the resurrected Christ. So I hope you can be here and hope you can bring somebody with you. All right? In the meantime, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. God bless you. Have a great rest of the day.